Good morning. For the scripture this morning, I will read three separate sections of Ezra, in chapters 1 and 3. Our God is known by many names, and in today's scripture, we'll use the name Ancient of Days. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia's rule, to fulfill the Ancient of Days words spoken by Jeremiah, God stirred up the spirit of Persia's King Cyrus. The king issued a proclamation throughout his kingdom, it was also in writing, that stated, Persia's King Cyrus says, the Ancient of Days, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. God has commanded me to build them a house at Jerusalem in Judah. If there are any of you who are from God's people, may their God be with them. They may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Ancient of Days, the God of Israel. This is the God who is in Jerusalem. And as for all those who remain in the various places where they are living, let the people of those places supply them with silver and gold and with goods and livestock, together with spontaneous gifts for God's house in Jerusalem. When the seventh month came and the Israelites were in their towns, the people gathered together in one in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, Josedek's son, along with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, Shetel's son, along with his kin, started to rebuild the altar of Israel's God so that they may offer entire, entirely burned offerings upon it as prescribed in the instruction form from Moses's, Moses, the man of God. They set up the altar on its foundations because they were afraid of the neighboring peoples, and they offered entirely burned offerings upon it to the Ancient of Days, both the morning and the evening offerings. They celebrated the festival of booths as prescribed. Every day they presented the number of entirely burned offerings required by ordinance for that day. When the builders laid the foundation of the Ancient of Days temple, the priests clothed in their vests and carrying their trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, arose to praise the Ancient of Days according to the directions of Israel's King David. They praised and gave thanks to the Ancient of Days, singing responsively, God is good, their graciousness for Israel lasts forever. All of the people shouted with praise to the Ancient of Days because the foundation of God's house had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and heads of family who had seen the first house wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this house, although many others shouted loudly with joy. No one could distinguish the sound of joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping because the people's the pe because the people rejoiced very loudly. The sound was heard at a great distance. From the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. This is our last Sunday in the Hebrew Bible. 
in the narrative lectionary. So we're heading towards the Gospels next week, and we'll be in the Gospels then for a really long time through most of the rest of the year. So we're on this narrative lectionary cycle, which at its best takes us on a narrative arc through the whole of the biblical text. So I just want to orient us a bit with this Ezra text and where we've been these last three weeks in particular. So two weeks ago, we were with the prophet Jeremiah. And that was at the beginning of the destruction of Jerusalem. And the prophet Jeremiah was anticipating the trauma that the people were about to experience. Last week, we were in Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote those familiar words that we heard Simon read for us, and we sang together, comfort, comfort, my people. And that was written as the temple had been destroyed, the people had been exiled from their homes. So Isaiah was writing those words of comfort from the heart of that traumatic experience and anticipating the possibility of renewal in the future. And now here we are in Ezra. And with Ezra, we've made a shift in genre. So both Jeremiah and Isaiah were prophetic poetry, right? And what we heard today in Chris's voice was, was narrative. It was the telling of a historical narrative, an account of what happened. No longer prophetic poetry. What has happened since those prophets is that Persia has defeated Babylon. So now there's a, a, a new boss in town, a new empire uh, that's in charge. And Persia has taken over and has invited the exiles back to Jerusalem. So that's where we are in the story. There was the anticipation of the destruction of the temple and the exile. There was writing from the heart of it, from the heart of the traumatic experience of the people. And now there is this invitation to return to reclaim and to start over after the dis disruption, the destruction, the displacement, and the trauma. And so in our Advent theme of hope, hope having a context, if hope has a context in these three weeks, it is exile. Remember, hope makes sense in the face of the hopelessness, right? That's when we need hope. And the hopelessness of these texts is exile. Now, the people are returning in Ezra this morning. They are returning mostly, not all of them. But most and most of the people who are returning are a generation removed from those who had been exiled. It's been 50 years. So we've got children of exiles returning to a home they've heard about but have never lived in. So we've got generational shifts happening here in our narrative. These folks who are returning to Jerusalem are not, of course, returning to empty land, right? They are returning. They are encountering and becoming neighbors to those who never left, those who remained. 
And the returned ones, the ones who have been invited back and returned to Jerusalem, they begin rebuilding the temple, beginning with the altar, as a sacred place to gather, <laughs> a sacred place to gather and be community together and to pray and to sing and be reminded of who they are at their core. Can you feel it in this space? They are building a sacred space together. So that's where the story takes place. And then partway through the story, we hear that the foundation has been laid for the new temple, the new sacred home for them to gather. This is a huge milestone, huge milestone, maybe some huge stones too in that foundation. It's a huge milestone. And I can only, I can't help but think of our own journey as a congregation. In fact, I told Pete, I said, if we find out that Community Roots Housing got funded before Sunday, it's going to have a whole new feel to it, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to be laying our own foundation one day after a couple of years away. And this week, uh, Al Terry, who's our architect, um, gathered with the team and presented a new floor plan. He continues to listen to us and kind of tweak here and there. And so we've got a pretty decent floor plan that's going to get sent for numbers, which we'll eventually have to, you know, it's all the business of our life together. Um, but he mentioned something in the midst of our meeting, and he said, you know, I think that Walsh Construction is the sort of construction firm that, you know, when construction is in the midst of happening, um, if you wanted to have some gatherings in your unfinished space, I mean, they would have to be there, of course, but you could come. And I just I could imagine this. I can imagine this text even more fully as we imagine something under construction, something we are building for ourselves, a place to gather, to sing together, to pray together, to worship together, to remember who we are. That's what's happening in this text. So because of this huge milestone, they're gathering because the foundations have been laid. They worship and they pull out all the stops. The priests have on their vestments. There are trumpets. There are cymbals. There is praise. There is song. There is rejoicing. They give thanks to God, the ancient of days, by singing responsively, God is good, God's graciousness for Israel lasts forever. A refrain that they use in good times and in bad. A refrain they return to over and over again, not unlike some of our own refrains. God is good, God's graciousness to God's beloveds and all of God's creation lasts forever. We proclaim it when we feel it, and we proclaim it when we don't. We proclaim it when it's happening all around us. We proclaim it when it's not, and we need it. It's a refrain that we say over and over and over again. And all of the people, Ezra says, shouted with praise to God because the foundations of the house of the temple had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and heads of families who had seen the first temple, who knew intimately that first sacred place that was destroyed, 
many of them wept aloud when they saw the foundation. Although many others shouted with joy. <laughs> Can you imagine that in our gatherings, perhaps? A weeping aloud of what has been and a joy for what is becoming. No one, Ezra writes, no one could distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping because the people rejoiced very loudly and the sound was heard at a great distance. Oh, as one of my favorite biblical commentators has said, this is a tender and complicated moment for the people. Tender and complicated moment. And everyone can feel all the things. I think of how often we create ritual moments like this right now. We are in a ritual moment, church. And I might tell you, oh, here we are. We're having a joyous celebration. And you might be like, oh, yeah, nice. I'm not really feeling joyous. Some of you might be like, oh, yeah, great. I'm feeling joyous. Well, I'm not going to tell you how to feel. But we create these gatherings where then we come with all that we've got happening. We've got all this happening, and we can feel all those things and hold all those things in our own tender and complicated moments, allowing the one next to you to be where they are as you sit where you are. When I think about our church community as we continue to find our way emerging from COVID lockdown years and who we are in the room has changed. Some folks haven't really come back and we wonder, are they or have they gone? It's, it's a complicated and tender moment in our community's life as well. I think of our own building project. We're about to head into our wilderness years. Uh, if we get that announcement any day now, <laughs> we could be heading into our last year in this space and deciding what are the sacred things that we want to sort of collect and gather and keep and find another space to be and then return lay those foundations and gather and so there is sometimes a looking back at what was like what used to be and feeling a sense of sorrow as a community and there is also sometimes a looking ahead, a looking forward to what is becoming and what could be and experiencing great joy and anticipation at the possibilities. And both of those are embraced in this text and both can be embraced in one community. I think of how often we do this. Christmas and Advent and the, the mess and mix of this time is one obvious time, right? This is a really tough time of year for a lot of folks. And it's a really joyous time of year and time of connection and good song and good food and all of that just is it just is and it's held together. I think of when we dedicate babies, which is like the most joyous time uh, in a person's life. And it can be tough for folks who maybe chose not to have children or long to have children, but never found them, you know, so like we create these ritual moments where joy and sorrow are just hanging out together all of the time. 
And certainly in this gathering, in any gathering, I know some pieces of some of your stories. And so I know some of what's in this room. And many of you know some of what's in this room. And none of us know all of it. That's part of why we come here, so that we can bring the whole of who we are and sit next to the whole of who someone else is and trust somehow that God's spirit has got us. God's spirit is still somehow weaving us together as a single community that holds all of these things together. Not only in our gatherings are joy and sorrow both present, but in our bodies. It takes me back to that, um, that quote or poem from Mary Oliver that I first encountered when I was leaving Chicago and preparing to come join you. And I was announcing to the congregation that I was departing, and it was a, it was a whole thing. I gave these words to Melanie and Jonathan as they were departing, and then to Amy as she was departing. But Mary Oliver, who writes, We shake with joy, we shake with grief. What a time these two have, housed as they are in the same body. <laughs> oh, indeed, isn't that so, so often? Some of us are better at compartmentalizing. I heard one of you reflecting on that this week, about how terrible you are at compartmentalizing. <laughs> some of us compartmentalize well, some of us not so well. Some of us do it well at some times and not so well at other times, but most of the time we're just kind of holding the mess of it the joy and the sorrow. And so in this text, in this story, we see young and old, we see generational shifts, we see joyous and sorrowful, we see them coming together in community and in worship together. And that's what I long for, for all of us. Really spontaneously, I'm gonna invite Pete, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, to join me with his worship leader notes. Because as you introduced us to the theme in your introductory remarks, I was like, oh, that's a better sermon than I wrote. So um, I want Pete to have the final, would you join me? Seriously. I know, this makes him deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> but I, I believe in him. I also know him. He's got it. Would you, do you know the part that I'm talking about? Yes. Uh-huh. Would you just go back here? Yeah, please do. Yeah. I think we need to hear it again. I would like to hear it again. Okay. Welcome to this third week of Advent. As we gather into God's presence, I invite you to take a moment to be aware of those around you, embracing those who are joyful, accompanying those who are hurting, and recognizing that the sounds of jubilation and weeping are held together in community. Breathe deeply, let love flow, trusting in the healing presence of the Spirit. And all God's people together said, Amen.